You're listening to Supervision with a Vision, where we discuss all things supervision. I'm your host, Sarah, professional counselor, marriage and family therapist, play therapist, eating disorder specialist, and cookie lover, with my co-host, Heather, marriage and family therapist, certified together in Texas counselor, a Texas transplant from California, and outdoor adventurer. Hi, welcome to Supervision with a Vision. Today, Heather and I are talking about starting your counseling career during COVID. This week, we read Starting a Counselor Career in the Time of COVID, published in Counseling Today 2021. Heather, as a new counselor or as a new counselor starting your career during COVID, something that people are really thinking about considering is adjusting their career plans. Do you think your supervisees have experienced this? And did you experience this as a new counselor? I think my supervisees definitely have experienced it in different ways. I think going, no one could predict COVID was going to hit. So they Mm -hmm. all had plans. It hit in March. A lot of my newer supervisees finished in April and May. Mm -hmm. So like they had these goals and aspirations of doing certain things, but for the sake of taking clients or for getting hours, they just kind of had to jump in. And a lot of things people wanted to talk about were stress, anxiety, COVID, and maybe those were not those clients they thought they'd be seeing. Mm -hmm. I had one that strictly wanted to work in grief. So COVID did play out pretty well for that supervisor. Like a good fit. Right. It was a mm-hmm. good fit because a lot of those skills were what we were facing, you know, needing those coping skills. But for myself, adjusting career plan, I kind of adjusted 15 times along the way. But a lot of mine was due to like life choices that I needed my career to then fit. Mm-hmm. Sure. So I well, already had a child and that mm-hmm. had to adjust as that child grew and was able to go to preschool and Right. You know, so when you finished school, did you have in your head what kind of counselor you wanted to be or what you thought that would look like? I did. And I did not get there directly, if that makes sense. Sure. Like a winding path. Right. To guide a you. very winding path. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so even thinking about your oldest, did you anticipate or could you expect how she would play into that? Like maybe you knew, okay, yes, work will fit around mm-hmm. kids. But did you know it would need to fit the way that it ended up needing to fit? Absolutely not. I had no, I mean, I, in my head was like, okay, so if I'm going to work, I'm going to need childcare and I'm going to need these hours. Mm -hmm. What I didn't factor into how much a counseling job is off the clock, like not at work. Yeah. There are plenty of things that pop up in your email. There are phone calls to return. Even when I'm working at an agency, our agency I first started working at was really small. And so Mm -hmm. it was really up to me to make those phone calls back. Mm. I didn't have a receptionist to do it. So I very quickly learned, okay, I need to come up with a plan for when I'm at the park Mm -hmm. and I see an email that came through from a client. Am I going to respond to it right now while I'm sitting at the park with my daughter? Or am I going to have a time set aside every day that I work on work stuff? Mm -hmm. There was a learning curve. There's a learning curve to that. I think looking back, I think I had maybe a pretty low bar (laughs) as far as expectations (laughs) for a job right out of school. I think, and maybe this was to my benefit, I think I just wanted a full-time job at an agency that would give me health insurance where I would work with kids. Okay. And that maybe that was so general Mm -hmm. that it made it a little easier, but I did end up taking a position that was not exactly what I expected, I think, but had some of the things I expected. I think some of my supervisees right now, the things that they expected and aren't getting or are adjusting 
are probably some of the same things that I expected. I I expected I would have some version of an office. Right. <laughs> right. I did that first job. It was mm-hmm. part uh, like a trailer and one corner had been partitioned off and that was my special office. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was pretty lucky actually, I thought, because I was one of the few people that had a bathroom. Okay. There we go. The, the trailer had a bathroom. <laughs> uh, but so it wasn't exactly what I expected, but it was some of what I expected. Right. I didn't have to shift that. I think not even that long ago, I talked to my supervisees and mentioned that and thought, yeah, right now you guys are counselors and you're adjusting to the idea that you don't have an office. So there's not a place for you to put your certificate on the wall. Right. Or, oh, that did come up. I asked one of them for a copy of the, her certificate and it was still in the of envelope that oh, it came from came from the state. Still, she's like, let me open this. Hang yeah. on. <laughs> and I went, are you kidding me? It's not, you haven't put it in a frame or anything. And she went, eh, I don't know. I right. guess not. So I mean, those things are adjustments. Mm-hmm. But certainly the kind of job you get, what you think you're going to get with that job, what that job looks like for you when you make time for it. Well, and at the, the very beginning, it was immediately the learning curve of being virtual. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we all had to, I, every counselor had to kind of adjust to that mm-hmm. somewhat. Mm-hmm. A few of us had platforms already for like clients in college or clients that needed to, you know, it was very beginning of online therapy. But I think what's interesting now is that's a skill set that everyone will have. True. Going I, forward. I, in some ways, not at, maybe not every student, but I think a lot of master's students that finished last May or mm-hmm. soon before, soon after, they already had some hybrid or online classes. So right. they had some experience in that. And I think, I mean, I know that I was really resistant to any version of virtual counseling mm-hmm. and kind of fought the idea as much as I could. I mean, it was such a quick turnaround for maybe a week. Right. I thought, no, I don't want to do this. But now I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. I think those students, though, probably had classes that met online. Right. And so they were comfortable with different platforms. Or they had some version of a virtual class yes. that they might have been okay with. Right. So maybe their adjustment might have been somewhat different than ours mm-hmm. but and had different characteristics because of COVID. But it sounds like you and I are saying, Lots of counselors leave school and begin careers and end up adjusting their career plans for many different reasons. Okay. Heather, the next point in our article that you and I pointed out to each other was the fact that counselors are going through growing pains. Right. Especially new ones. Mm -hmm. And I think we all tend to have times in our counseling career that there's more growing pains maybe, but they do fade away. They're not like continuous forever, but finding that groove of, okay, you want to start, it's adjusting those plans. And then how do you grow from them? Right. So what your expectation was Mm -hmm. in wanting to have a practice that has 20 clients a week. Yeah. Well, getting there, how are you going to get there? I know when we read this, I said to you, I would define being a counselor as a series of growth. (laughs) Right. That there's not a point where you don't, you get past that or you don't have that anymore. They might be different at different points. But so I think certainly starting a career in counseling, it doesn't matter if it's during COVID or if it was 1980 or Mm -hmm. if it was 2000. Right. There were growth pains then. Absolutely. Mm -hmm maybe on lots of ends, on the time maybe that you're putting into if you're going private practice or just mm-hmm. realizing the time, like I said earlier, about it is more than just meeting face-to-face with that client or sure. virtually or however. I think some important growth pains that I've noticed in myself, but also in other, in my supervisees, 
is recognizing what they can and can't do or what they can handle or what type Mm -hmm. of client Mm -hmm. they work best with. Right. Some of the supervisees I have enjoyed the most, that was one of their toughest growth pains was that they realized this is something I love to do. I don't love to do it with this type of client. Yes. Or I do, I mean, for myself, I would say I work with kids and I work with people with eating disorders and I don't think I would be completely happy if I did 100% of just one of those things. I absolutely agree with that. It's finding that the groove of your clientele and then getting that going. Once mm-hmm. you have one client that you like that this way, realize reflection afterwards mm-hmm. when you wrap up with a client to go, I really felt accomplished by that or it felt like it was a good connection because of why. Like yeah. go back and figure out so you can keep growing well, that way. And I, Maybe, I don't know. Maybe this has to do with my mood today. I was going to say <laughs> not... Finding the ones you love and not finding what works well is, when I think, when you have the growth pains where you realize, I tried that. That doesn't feel good. Ah. I tried that. That didn't work well. I tried that. It wasn't my favorite. Right. Are the times when you're going to learn from those things and decide. That's a To me, right. that's a growth pain. Yes. That you realize, oh, I kept saying yes because people kept calling me and wanting to set appointments. And I felt like, yes, I want to help you. And then I realized 30 clients a week is way too much for me. Right. That's a growth pain. That's a huge growth pain. I think what I was referring to earlier with identifying the perfect client, like you Uh had one that was like that. You're like, how do I get more? I want more like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's probably because you have some that aren't like that. Right. I know finding a balance for me and realizing I couldn't see all play therapy kids or I couldn't see all people with eating disorders. I, I think pr- at some point with both of those populations, I thought, okay, I'm done. Right. I, I think I'm done. I need a break right. from that. Mm-hmm. I need something else for my brain to work on and think about and did take a break and then went, oh, okay, All right, I fine. do like those people. I miss I, that. Yeah. And then going back to it. So, right. but do you know, I even have work. that within your, your, talking specific population, but I even have that sometimes when I just have intense clients that happen to line up on the same day, right? Mm -hmm. Like knowing Mm -hmm. that about like, okay, this client takes up a lot of energy and a lot of headspace. I probably don't need to see three of those kind of clients back to back. Mm -hmm. So I think that is another growing pain, like learning that about your scheduling. Like really, if you can, don't schedule clients that are high intensity altogether. Mm -hmm. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Coaching Conversation 2024. This podcast is 100% dedicated to leadership and leadership within the workplace coaching area. We work with companies throughout the world teaching leaders how to coach their employees. This podcast is dedicated to teaching specific strategies, frameworks, coaching models, and now artificial intelligent strategies to help leaders drive greater teamwork, collaboration, cooperation, greater attitudes, better motivation, coaching career development, just to name a few. I hope you'll check out our podcast. So those are mostly examples that you and I have experienced. What are some examples of growing pains that you think you've helped your supervisees through? I have a couple right now about how many clients do you see in a row? Oh, yeah. (laughs) It feels like a lot of times I have supervisees that think they are superheroes and can do like seven. Right. You're like, no, no one likes that. Yeah, it doesn't feel good. (laughs) I mean, maybe you could. I mean, like physically, kind of, you can before you just 
breakdown. Right. <laughs> Where you fall on your floor and right. dunk it, it up. It doesn't feel good. And certainly the person, the first person you saw didn't get the same quality of, of support and care that the last person you saw did. Right. It's not the equal amount. It's not yeah. the same you. What about, have you had any supervisees that chose not to continue in counseling or chose to do counseling in a way that was very different than what they expected? I think so. I think I had one leave counseling and decide that, yes, the counseling degree was helpful, but they wanted to pursue more of the business side of things mm-hmm. and went back and found a job that was much more on the HR track. Mm-hmm. Like they just wanted to be more in like a company type setting that was more comfortable for them. Mm-hmm. Okay, Heather, the, an, another thing that might be difficult during COVID and is something that all new counselors face is the challenge around ramping up. Mm-hmm. Building your caseload. Mm-hmm. Well, and maybe not just building your caseload. That would be counselors in private practice. Right. But ramping up might be even finding the first job. Mm-hmm. Right. Getting out there and finding what fits. Mm-hmm. I think often supervisees, and I have had experience with a couple in the past, that they just take the job because it's a job offered. Like okay. instead of making it be a good fit. Mm-hmm. And then that ends up being lots of bouncing around till they find where they oh, want to be. Yeah. And that's kind of tricky from a supervisory point of view, but also from a, that pressure that supervisees feel to get their hours knocked out so they can have the real mm. job mm. later on. Yeah, that's kind of, yeah, you're right. Uh, and that's kind of a crummy attitude, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're waiting for the real thing to start. Right. When they've already this is started. the real, this is it right now. Yeah, they've already started <laughs> the real part. I hadn't thought of it that way. We could be talking about ramping up clients, but we could be talking about ramping up to getting the number of hours that they think they need to maintain right. mm-hmm. every week in order to reach their goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do think that I I have know a lot of new counselors or have supervised a lot of new counselors that are quick to take a job and it's not a perfect fit. Maybe they make themselves stay. Right. Even when it's not a perfect fit. Right. Just because they need for to the do it. For the sake of hours right. or mm-hmm. for the sake of I need a job. Or right. This one lots pays of the reasons. best. Right. Right. In my mind, I think they're still... Maybe we could call it that instead of ramping up, but waiting for things to begin, Mm -hmm. waiting to start the real part Mm -hmm. when in reality, they've already started the real part. Right. And it's hard. And I mean, it's easier for us to see because we're on the other side of it, but it's hard when you're in it to know that you're gaining something from this, even if it's not the perfect fit or the ideal client Mm -hmm. population, you are gaining skills. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Heather, about counselors right now who are ramping up the number of hours, the number of clients? Do you think that's a challenge right now during COVID? I mean, maybe some people are challenged by it, but I tend to think maybe even the opposite. Mm-hmm. Like most counselors I know are so full, they can't take any more clients. I agree. I returned a lot of phone calls today and said, I'm sorry, I don't have availability and gave resources. But I heard a lot of people's feeling frustrated and saying, everybody's busy right now. And I mm-hmm. said, I told them, you're right. Everybody mm-hmm. is busy right now. Yeah. So, it, I, and I wonder if that has to do, Heather, with the types of clients we see right, or the area that we're in. Yes. I think yes and yes. Mm-hmm. I think we're in much more of a busy metroplex area mm-hmm. with so many different people with so many different things going on, mm-hmm. different dynamics that it's almost as soon as I can get one client wrapped up there. I feel like I haven't stopped since April last year. Mm-hmm. I do think probably in April, and I wonder if other people listening or if the even the writer of this article might have felt this way, that last April, I was afraid 
Oh. We wouldn't be busy. Oh, absolutely. With people mm-hmm. losing jobs or mm-hmm. not having as as much expendable money to right. spend on things right. that we might not be busy. But sadly, mm-hmm. everybody is really busy. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if ramping up, it, right. at least as far as numbers and clients, is something that's a challenge right now. Unless maybe one of your growing pains is saying no. Right. Right. <laughs> Which is a good, that's a good growing pain. Mm-hmm. Heather, our last point in this article really has several different parts to it, I think. A difficult part or a challenge of starting a career as a counselor is figuring out or finding your place. Yeah. And I think when we talked about that, we talked about finding your place as a professional counselor and that identity, but also finding your place within a network of counselors right? and maybe finding your place in terms of work-life balance. Mm -hmm. I think there are so many pieces to that, especially, uh, and this kind of goes all the way back into the bigger beginning, adjusting your career plans, but Mm -hmm. like finding that like you're wearing your counseling hat a lot more than you maybe realized in situations, Mm -hmm. having that network of people that you're going to refer to or that they're referring to you, that's hard. Mm -hmm. And especially probably really tricky right now during COVID. I don't know. Have you, we've talked about this, but I can't remember. Have you done much marketing in Mm-mm. the last year? None. I mean, I, I don't think that either you or I need to spend a whole lot of time focused on marketing, but for other purposes, I have been really involved in counseling communities. Mm-hmm. And I think they're, to me, they feel more active than yes. prior to COVID. I would agree with that. And maybe it's something about being able to be kind of like in like a, it's not taking as much time to click into an online chat or pay attention to articles that come out or have group discussions about things. But I think one of the things that is interesting is that it's now like the shift where it used to be like lunches and CEs where you might meet people oh, or sure. come across, like it's a shift. Yeah, in- we had to get more creative and figure out how to do it a different way. But I mean, of course, what group of people would figure out how to interact and engage <laughs> right. when there were obstacles? Uh-huh. Counselors. Right. You're right. I definitely miss those in-person lunch CEUs, mm-hmm. things that I used to get to do once in a while or coffees or things like that. But Facebook groups, mm-hmm. super busy right. for counselors. I am. Actually, I'm excited. Tomorrow, I'm doing probably the very first networking uh, activity I've done in the last year, I bet. But it's a group of counselors and everyone's vaccinated and we are meeting at a dog park. Fun. So I'm ta- the dog needs a, a chance mm-hmm. to go play. Mm-hmm. So he's going and I'll probably hang out with some counselors. Some of them I already know. Right. But I'll get to see them and I haven't seen them in a long right. time. That would be wonderful. Yeah. So I think there, I mean, there's a way to do it, but you're right. We've had to switch right. and, and get more creative and do it in a different way. Um, which can be challenging. I actually am a part of a, I thought it was creative. I'm a part of a eating disorder group for professionals and they had uh, an event that's usually in person. Mm -hmm. And so they had to try and figure out how to do it virtually. Right. And they hosted a cooking class. Very fun. Um, Heard of these. Yeah. So it was fun. So we've had to get more creative Mm -hmm. for sure. What about Heather finding that like your identity as a counselor when there's less opportunity for that. Right. As, I mean, networking, but mm-hmm. also maybe not having an office with your certificate on the wall. Right. Or, I Things mean, like that. It's yeah. a completely different feel for one, mm-hmm. but also like some of those opportunities just aren't there. Yeah. Like you almost have to be more outspoken about it mm-hmm. on like online platforms or 
using your resources of people. I have a supervisee right now that reached out to some people that were local and was like, hey, I'm back up in the Dallas area and I'm here now and can see clients and I'm doing virtual and kind of just reaching out beyond what the normal interaction was. Yeah, absolutely. Tell me this. When you were a brand new counselor, when did you feel like you identified as a counselor? Was there a time where you started introducing yourself that way or what was... What helped you to be ready to say, I'm a counselor or Hmm. what do you do, Heather? I'm a counselor. Mm -hmm. It's funny because at the very beginning, I didn't tell people at all, Mm -hmm. but I didn't want to be identified as a counselor with my mom hat on. So I didn't tell like people that were pretty close in my daughter's circle of friends didn't really know for a little bit. Oh, you're a therapist. What kind of therapist? Uh, people would like massage therapist, respiratory therapist. Oh, that kind of therapist. So I like learned very quickly to like in oh, certain groups, to, like shut true. it down. That's true. But now it's so different. And I think that's just because I'm at a different point in life. But at the very beginning, I was much more shy to be like, I'm a counselor and I'm yeah. here to save the world. Yeah. <laughs> I think, that, yeah, I do agree. I think in different circles of people, I communicated that differently. Mm-hmm. I realized actually a friend from not long after I graduated, after I finished mm-hmm. my master's program, reached back out to me through a, a couple of connections mm-hmm. because she has now has a kid who's a teenager who she's thinking could use some counseling. Right. And she called me and said, hey, so-and-so gave me your phone number. And I am so proud of you and impressed with you that you finished school and you're a counselor now. And I, I did correct her and said, actually... When we, you and I used to spend time together, I was a counselor. Right. And had been right. for a while. I mean, was that there. wasn't new. Right. <laughs> um, so I think there were people that I would say that more openly to and other people I didn't say that quite as openly to. Do you think that has to do with your confidence or how you identified or it had more to do with how you thought other people would yes. perceive it? I think it was that second one. Mm-hmm. And I was used to be much more concerned about it. And I don't know why. It might have just been a stage in yeah. life. But I mean, I think to me, I think that's part of your identity, like how comfortable you are with other mm-hmm. people perceiving you, however they're going to perceive you. Right. Yeah. I think that that happens with or without COVID. Yes. I think that is a non-COVID related. Mm-hmm. But certainly a part of the process right. of becoming a counselor and starting right. a career as a counselor. Mm-hmm. What about, Heather? We ta- I feel like we talked a lot about throughout this episode about work-life balance. Mm-hmm. When to turn it off. Mm-hmm. I still to this day remind myself every once in a while, like, oh, that's just not a time for a therapeutic comment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then there's other times that I have no problems jumping in and, and mm-hmm. giving my thoughts or my, I mean, if someone point blank asks me my opinion or my thoughts on it, I'll absolutely yeah. give it. But if it's not being wanted or asked for, then I am much more likely to go, wow, hmm, I see. I do. I I think that's a mistake lots of newer counselors make is that they're kind of turned on all the time, not because they think that it's people want it or don't want it. It's that they don't yet know how to turn it off Mm -hmm. and on. Mm -hmm. So it's either all on or all off, which is hard, is off putting for people. Right. Sometimes I think uh, the longer I've been a counselor, the more often people close to me say, you kind of do that all the time. <laughs> like you kind of. Kind, kind of, of a counselor all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe years ago I would have thought, nah. And now I think, well, yes, because I am a counselor. Right. Can't help but see right. it that way. So I don't always have right. to say it or right. do it. But yes, that's I see the world through those mm-hmm. eyes 
all the time. Right. And I'm more comfortable with that. And I'm more comfortable saying it that way too. Like, right. well, yes, because I am a counselor. Mm-hmm. Right. Because that's my training. It's in mm-hmm. my brain. Mm-hmm. So Heather, it sounds like we think that while there are some differences or uniqueness to being a new counselor right now, an awful lot of this happens for most counselors right. as they begin. It's a lot of career. overlap. A lot mm-hmm. of overlap. Mm-hmm. Not to say that it isn't hard. Right. Or tricky. Because, <laughs> right. I think about this article and reflect back on it and think it is really hard to completely prepare someone in school for what it means to be a counselor outside of school. Right. Very different. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's where we come in. Right. That's the job <laughs> for the supervisor. Okay. Well, thanks today for listening to Supervision with a Vision. You've been listening to Supervision with a Vision. Head on over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Be sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Therapy Academy to join the conversation and get show notes. We'll be back next week with more Supervision with a Vision.